Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. It doesn't matter what song we're singing if we realize who we're singing about. If we forget about the tune, tone, and everything else and we get a hold of Him and we begin to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We can shout even when it is an old hymn that doesn't have a thing to do. It seems like it'd be 500 miles away from shouting. We hope you find this message encouraging on a sermon since the first of the year and the whole premise behind it was is uh as i've shared with you i always pray toward the first you know as the year's ending and lord what do you want our focus to be in the next year again i think we put a lot more stock on a calendar change than the lord does because he's eternal so as we approach the first of the year we're always thinking what can i do to make this year a better year what can i do to improve what can i do this that and the other And I always ask the Lord, you know, what do you want us to do? And you know what? I believe that when we pray those kinds of prayers, I believe the Lord answers. Amen? I believe that if if we're seeking him and and trying to find out what his will is, that he's going to make that open to us and available. And one of the things that just kept coming to mind was the changes, the differences in our world. And we talked about that at great length last week. Some of the things that have changed... Uh, Ten years ago, in one decade, the things that have changed, um, just a multiplicity of things that have come into being since then, that have changed our world. Technology has increased, and there's no sign that it's going to slow down. We talked about ten years ago, 2008 versus 2018. uh, Smartphones were just infant Uh, at that time. Not many people had them. Now everybody pretty much got a smartphone. We uh, looked at the fact that technology has increased so much. We've gone from from videos to digital. Uh, As I shared with you last week, the 21st of January, the last blockbuster in Texas closed. If you can imagine that, and 10 years ago, you'd have said, you're crazy, that'll never happen. But things progressed and they didn't change. And I don't want the church to be that way. Things are changing. Things, technology is changing how we should approach things. And by and large, what used to be is not. 20 years ago, if you jump back two decades, by and large, especially in the South, but in the United States alone, that most people, about 90 percentile, would claim a church affiliation of some sort. They might have been the Christmas and Easter only crowd, the CEOs, um, or they might have been the people who were there every Sunday, but... The thing is, about 90 percentile of the population would have said, I belong to that church. It might have been just to have a wedding or a funeral, but I belong to that church. Now, that percentage has dropped down to right around 25 percent. Can you see the changes? Can you see how, uh, as we've talked about, we talked about at great length last week, the message never changes. Salvation by Christ alone through faith alone. That message never, ever changes through millennia. Our methods have to. The way that it's happened in the past is not going to work in today. We can, we can talk about the ages and eras of church, uh, church uh, growth and things that happened back then and now, but suffice it to say this, that by and large, people are not going to come in here and hear a sermon on Sunday morning. Do you realize that we get a, a quite a bit of traffic just online by putting, by Chad taking the time, and Zach is involved in that now, and if you've got 
a smartphone, you've got podcasts available on there. If not, you can download the app that'll let you do that. But you can catch those drops every Wednesday, okay? The sermon from the Sunday before. Share it with somebody. That little button that lets you share it. Send it to somebody that you know might get something out of that. And you know what? That's the way we're going to reach people nowadays. It's not necessarily getting them to come in here and hear a sermon, but for us to go out there and share something with them that touches their heart and brings them to that saving knowledge of Christ. So we've been talking about making a connection, and ultimately it is that we have to be the relevance. Uh, about 65% of the people that don't attend church say the reason that they don't is it's no longer relevant to their lives. Oh my goodness, the most life-giving, life-saving message that's ever been given to humankind and it's not relevant. It's the method that's not relevant. The message is always relevant. Amen? And you and I have to be the relevance. People see in our lives, hearing our testimony, us taking it out there to a lost and dying world, somebody needs to say amen to that. So, we've been looking at making the connection. The connection from our relationship to God, to our relationship with each other, to ultimately going out there and making a connection with people and leading them to a connection to Christ. Amen? Paul says it in Ephesians, we have been made... Say it with me, made the ministers of reconciliation. Didn't say we could be, might be, should be. We have been made, if we are born again, we have been made the ministers of reconciliation. What does that mean? It's up to us to reconcile those people with God. It's a big responsibility. It's a big task in our day and time, but that's what we're looking at. So we've been looking at making the connection. Uh, I'm going to zip through these. You can go back and catch the messages. Number one, communicating the Word of God. That is, not us necessarily going out and being preachy, but looking for those moments when we might share something with somebody that's far from God that might draw them in, that might pique their interest, that might whet their appetite for God. Amen? Because, see, there's these moments when people have these things happen in their lives that they are very, very open to change. Very, very open to an answer that they might not have even been looking for. We've got to communicate the Word of God. Number two, we've got to open the doors of fellowship. And that means swing them wide open. And yes, that means that sometimes it might be somebody that doesn't look like us, act like us, talk like us, or anything else. But when you swing open those doors of fellowship, we need to be ready to accept whoever God sends our way. We need to be praying to the, to the, that God would send from the north, the south, the east, and the west people that belong in this house. Somebody say amen. And in, navigate by faith. That's the only way we're going to walk this walk. The only way that we're going to make it happen is navigating by faith. We can't see it all. We can't know it all. But there's somebody that does and somebody that can communicate to us. And he said that he sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us through life. The, the second in in uh, connecting is network the body of Christ. We talked about this. If you haven't heard that message, go back and pick it up. If, if we can't do it all. We can't be all things to all people in this body of believers. But you know what? There's other believer bodies out there that we can connect with and network with and, and help and sow into their field that we might reap a harvest sometime. Amen? So we talked about that at great length. The E is embracing biblical principles. This is what we spent most of the time on last week, and I didn't get near done, but we're going we're gonna to kind of zip on through this. But uh, basically, God's got a plan for everything in your life. Amen? From 
our health and wellness, to our healing, uh, to, to our money matters, to all kinds of stuff. And guess what? If we follow that plan, it's all going to work out. Amen? The thing that we need to do is realize that that's the plan. Discipleship is this plan. Not just us being a Christian. Do you realize, if you go back and take the, we'll take the King James Bible, uh, which tends to be the standard in our day and time. If you go back to the King James Bible and you look up the word disciple or discipleship, you're going to find it in there about 270 odd times. If you look up the word Christian, you're going to find it in there three times. Now, what does that tell you very, very quickly? God's emphasis is on us becoming a disciple. What is a disciple? It's a person who follows the teachings of another. It's not just us making a one-time commitment to Jesus. It's not just us coming in here one time and feeling conviction over the bad stuff I've done and wanting to offload all that and saying, Oh, Jesus, just take it all away from me. Now, that's part of it. That's the first step, but it is the very first step. Secondly, it is following what he said do. Amen? I could get off on that really, really quick. Ultimately, it comes down to this. We've got to embrace all those principles in order to be successful in life. And we'll go on to the next letter, and that is C, celebrating Christ in worship, which is what we did this morning. I'm going to tell you something. We, we get so hung up on what we call worship. In fact, is, I'm, going to, I'm just going to throw this out here. I don't see any rotten tomatoes available, so maybe you won't throw them at me. Sometimes we worship our worship. Sometimes we have faith in our faith, but ultimately it comes down to we worship our worship. But ultimately, who is worship about? Is it about me or is it about him? If it's about him, then why do I get hung up on how it happens? I'm going to tell you something. Through the years, I've been in this thing for many, many years now. 26 years. I've been leading in church. And the thing that I've seen happen through the years, all those years, is what I refer to as the years of worship wars. And it started out as, I'm old enough, and some of you younger people will laugh and point whenever I say this, but I've been in this thing long enough that it, it was started out as hymns. And man, when the choruses came in, and those of us who love to worship, boy, the choruses just led us into worship, and the people that loved hymns were like, I mean, you have none of this new music in here. And I'm not talking about the new choruses, I'm talking about the ones that we would call old now. And these people that were, had the hymns, that was their way of worship, and they were worshiping their worship. How many of you, and some of you will raise your hand on this, and how many of you have ever been in a church where when you came in on Sunday morning, maybe somebody would call out from the congregation, let's sing 333. In the red back hymnals that were in ours, tell me what song that was. I'll fly away. <laughs> 333, sing 333, that's I'll fly away. And you didn't sing all of them. There's about five or six or ten verses in there. You sing first, third, and fifth. Show of hands real quick. You've been in a church that did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you some of the really, really staunch ones, they would sing all of the verses. But most of them would sing first, third, and fifth. And so then somebody would call out 276. You remember that one? 
You remember the song? Just a little talk with Jesus. Oh, man, we would wear it. There would be pages that would be stained with, with oil from hands because we turned to it so much. We, and, and those are the songs. Boy, they were the staples. Amazing Grace was in there. It was 30-something. And it's amazing how those numbers stick, but they stuck. And I can remember most every song that, that we sang uh, regularly, what page it was on. But then, man, here came these choruses, and everybody got hung up on the choruses. And, and, and man, the, the people that loved those hymns, they were puffed up about it. And then we'd sing those choruses. And then, guess what? There were newer choruses that came out to a little snappier tune, maybe. And it's like we talked about last week about amazing grace. Amazing grace, when it came about being, and most of us that have ever been in church at all, amazing grace is one of those songs you don't need to pick up something to show you the words. They don't even need to put it on the screen because you know every word. And in the day and time when it came out, it was actually the words which were written by that guy who was a slave trader and he got thrown off the boat in a storm and he thinks he's going to die and he felt like the Lord gave him those words when he got back to got saved and, and got out of the water. He turned his life over to the Lord and wrote, wrote down a poem. It was a poem then. And ultimately that got set to music. And the music that it got set to was a bar song. Because it was a popular song of the day and they took the words and put to it. And there were a lot of the high churches then that would not play that in their church because it's a bar song. Now, can, can you even imagine having that attitude toward amazing grace? That is our staple. It is our, like, boy, this is our anthem if we've ever had one. And so ultimately, every move of God has been accompanied by a music change. And then, you know, even, even in, in those years, you went from the, from the hymns to the choruses and then newer choruses. And then ultimately, we, we put these, these drums how many of you came from a church that that was a big no-no? How many of you came from a church background that instruments, period, were a big no-no? Yeah, a few of us. We've got a little bit of every flavor in here. We're Heinz 57 varieties here, and I like that. But you know what? I knew, this, this is a little story I'll tell you. The denomination that I used to be a part of, there was a, another branch in our family tree. They had overbuilt, and they couldn't afford their building. They'd been in there several years, but it was just a struggle, and they were missing payments, and they saw pretty quick this is headed in a negative direction. And there was a church in the denomination that I was a part of that was being successful and growing and running out of room, so they worked out a swap of buildings. And it would put the, the church that was, had overbuilt and was overpaying, uh, it would put them out of debt. And it would put the church that needed the space and grow it into a building that would suffice for them, at least for that po point of time. Two totally opposite ends of the spectrum as far as music goes. And so they worked out this deal. It would be a transition over about three months, period. And for the first month, they would just share the building and nothing would change. And then uh, they would. the next month would be... The ones that were coming into the building would make all the changes and the others would be kind of in transition to get that out because that other building needed some work. And so they had one of these things right here. And those of you that ever been in church, these things didn't come along just like this for a long time. They had these that were called studio pianos and had that high back on them. And so the denominational church 
moved their piano into the one that didn't believe in instruments. And they were going to worship that way for a month. And this is the honest to goodness. If I'm lying, I'm dying. The two ministers of these two churches, one stood at this end of that big studio piano and the one stood at the other. And both of them had their Bibles. And both of them are quoting scriptures as to why it should and should not be in there. And ultimately, now I wasn't there, but this is somebody relaying it that was there watching. They said ultimately they got to chasing each other around the piano, trying to make, trying to make their point and trying to read these scriptures that said this is the way we ought to worship and this is the way we ought not worship. Now do you think that glorifies God? Do we make worship about Him or do we make it about us? I don't like that song. I wish they'd sing this song. I, it's too hot in there. It's too cold in there. Mars tends to lead toward too cold. I do, I do have to admit that. But it affects us. Do we allow our emotions and our feelings to affect how we worship God? Yes. Should it be that way? No. We worship our worship. And the thing that we got to do is realize it ain't one single bit about us. It's all about him. I have said this before, and I have endured the worship war for years. I've been in this thing for 26, going on 27 years. I have been involved in the worship wars 26 years. And it breaks my heart every time. Because we're making it all about us. I don't like that song. I can't worship to that song. I came to this conclusion years ago. I can worship to Mary had a little lamb. If need be. Now, I don't like it. You know, once or twice through, it would really get old. But I can worship to it. Why? Because Mary had a little lamb. And his fleece was white as snow. I can take any song and make it about Jesus. With rare exception. There are a few. But I can even take a secular song and make it about Jesus. You take any love song out there, I can, I can sing it to the Lord. Amen. I mean, it is just absolutely, there's things that we do as believers. Anytime we encounter anything, I'm going to give you a little morsel here. This is not necessarily all about worship. But this is just about anything that we encounter in this world. Because sometimes we get bowed up about stuff that we don't need to get bowed up about. Anything we encounter in this world. We're out there, we're talking to somebody, something comes up. A song comes on or we're talking about a movie. As a believer, what we have to do, we have three choices. We receive it. That's okay. That's good. I can participate in that. I can be a part of that or I, I can go see that or whatever. We receive it or we reject it. That is absolutely not of God. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I'm not going to be within 100 miles of it. Or, number three, I can redeem it. And we live in a world of redemption, and God is all about redemption. And fact is, before you get bowed up and say, well, you're making concessions for, in the gospel. No, 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 no. Our family tree and some of the things that we celebrate the highest and the greatest are things that have been redeemed. 
Our, our, in our past, some of our, the branches in our family tree, they redeemed a lot of things that didn't have anything to do with God. How many of you, just uh, maybe a month and a half ago, you had up a Christmas tree, and you had lights up, and you were singing Christmas carols and all that kind of stuff? Hate to break it to you, Jesus probably was not born on December 25th. Uh, if, if I bursted your bubble this morning, I'm sorry. Really and truly, by circumstantial evidence, it was closer to September 25th than it was December 25th. But what happened was, that was right in the middle of harvest season, and there was already a big celebration going on by the Druids and some other belief systems that had this big tree involved. And so what our ancestors in the faith did was they just joined it and took it over. Amen? They redeemed it for the Lord. And the fact is, and I'll go ahead and say it, it was the Catholic Church. They had a big propensity for, if you can't beat them, join them and take it over. Redeem it for the Lord. Easter, same thing. It belonged to somebody else. Our ancestors in the faith said, hey, we can't beat these guys. Let's just join it and take it over. And they did. And so it's redeemed. So receive it, reject it, or redeem it for the kingdom's sake. And so ultimately, that's what we've got to do. That's why, I mean, I've had people get so bent out of shape. If you sang, and, and we do that here, uh, Lean on Me. We've sang it here before, lots of times. That's not, a, not necessarily a Christian song, but we redeemed it. And now it's the Lord's. <laughs> ultimately, whatever we sing, if it's, a, if it's a secular love song and we're singing it to the Lord, guess what? We have redeemed that for the kingdom's sake. Somebody say amen. amen. You're getting awful quiet on me. So what we've got to do is realize that we have ultimately, we've got to celebrate him in worship. And see, it doesn't matter the presentation. This is just like I was talking about before. The message doesn't change. The methods have to. And there are some people, and I, I've used this before, but it fits so well here. A good illustration's in timeless, you know. And so... We get all hung up on our traditions and the things that we think ought, it ought to be that way. See, I've got one of these things right here, and you'll recognize it as soon as I put it out there. Somebody tell me what it is. The original Coke. And it's the only one. How many of you say it only tastes good out of a glass bottle? Oh, yeah, several people. And so that's the traditional. That's the way it's always been. That's the way we were introduced to Coke. That's the way it ought to be. And so people get hung up on that. The only way I'm going to drink Coke is if I drink it out of a glass bottle. It's got to be the little bottle. It can't be the big one because it just doesn't taste the same out of the bigger bottle. And, and yeah, we'll take these back and get our nickel for the bottle or whatever it is now. And, and then we'll get more. But see, through the years, something happened. Something changed and something was different. And it was this fellow right here. The can. And how many of you say, it just don't taste right out of the can? Yep. Okay. So these people are the traditionalists, and, and it, it's hymn books all the way, first, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth verse, and it can't change because that's the only way God ever shows up. We've got to sing Amazing Grace, followed up by just a little talk with Jesus, and God always shows up. Got that formula down pat. And then these people came along, and they are the people that maybe they didn't have a piano player there all the time. And as a pastor, let me tell you another little side note about that. 
one of the first churches I ever pastored, we had a, a, a piano player that would show up, yeah, occasionally. And so I, I ended up leading the worship. And I told Angie one time, I said, whenever, whenever we took that little church, the first church we ever pastored, I said, I feel like I need hats with identification on them so I could tell what position I was holding right then. Because I would call Sunday school to order, so I was the Sunday school superintendent. Then I would teach the adult Sunday school class, so I felt like I needed to have adult Sunday school teacher on that hat. And then I would uh, make all the announcements, so I needed that on there. And then I would lead the worship, and then I'd get up there and preach, which meant I never left the platform if you're not catching that. So anyway, I had, had a piano player that would show up occasionally. And nobody else in the whole church, there was this one older lady that she could play the organ, kind of. And so we would struggle through, but if she ever didn't feel like playing or what didn't show up, we were without. So you know what I did? I went and talked to my, a guy that had been my pastor and his wife played the piano. And I said, this is going to be a really weird favor that I'm fixing to ask you. And that is, if you would let me... Put it, they had a, a nice piano, and I said, let me drop a mic over in that piano, and I need you to play this set. Don't sing, just play. And so ultimately what I did was I had her record four sets of three or four songs on a cassette. Boy, I'm telling my age here, ain't it? <laughs> on a cassette. So whenever my piano player didn't show up, I would go and put that cassette tape in there, and I would rewind to whichever one of those I felt like singing that day, and I would have canned music. <laughs> kind of bland. Tasted just a little off. <laughs> but you know what? It was, it was okay. We got by with it. Then we progressed to the point where I bought a MIDI player. Anybody ever heard of a MIDI player, especially younger ones? Probably not. It was one of the first digital files that came out. And you could actually buy these things, and they came on a a three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk. And you plugged them into the MIDI player, and you would download a set of music on there. So it was canned. And and there's sometimes, and you've probably been to churches where it felt like it was canned. It was a canned, canned Sunday school, it was canned worship, and then you got a canned sermon, and you left. Amen? And you, it was very, very predictable, and you knew exactly what was going to happen when. It's, it's some of those churches are the ones, when they hand out a bulletin, it's got 10 o'clock will be called to order, 10.05 we'll have prayer, 10.06 it'll be this, that, and the other, 10.07 we're going to take up the offering and all that kind of stuff. I never could function under that pressure. It just didn't work. <laughs> And so ultimately it comes down to that this was the next stage. And then what happened was there was even a, a further advancement, and it was this fellow right here, and that is the plastic bottle. And it kind of looks like this one, but it's different. And it kind of resembles that one as far as the, at least the color of the outside. But you know what? This one here breakdances. Watch him. See? He break dances and he gets all in a fizz and gets to shouting maybe and gets happy and, and all this kind of stuff. So, you know what? The only thing is, we, and I hope this is hitting home with you. See, everything's a little different. Every style's a little bit different. Every kind of worship, we can sing out of the hymn books and you know what? I can worship God. There was one time on a Wednesday night, one of the churches that I was in, I was just serving on staff in this one. And I sang on the worship team. 
And Wednesday night was for the classic crowd because we sang out of the hymn books and we took requests on occasion. And I will never forget this as long as I live. Somebody wanted to sing the old rugged cross. And it's like, oh my goodness. Just talk about getting it out there and just dragging it across the floor. I mean, you know, it, it, it wasn't peppy. I, I like the just a little talk with Jesus, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of peppy. I could get into that. The, how, how many of you know who Fanny J. Crosby is? Fanny J., most of her uh, uh, songs were kind of upbeat. There were a few that weren't. But anyway, somebody wants to sing the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged. Oh, I'm sorry. And about the third verse of that, I felt the presence of the Lord. I'm like, whoa. What is this? I mean, I'm up on the platform, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, man, I feel something. And so we sang it again, and evidently the guy that was leading the worship was feeling a little something because we went back and picked up the first again. You know, it was first, third, and fifth, and he went back and picked up the first verse again. And I'm like, man, if we sing about one more, I'm about ready to shout. I am just, I, my bucket was getting full, and I was feeling the presence of the Lord. And so he hit the third, you know, first, second, third, whatever it was again. And I'm telling y'all, I shouted all over that place because the joy of the Lord got way down deep in my soul over the old rugged cross. I can worship to anything. Why? Because it's not about me. It's all about Him. And if we will get our minds right, if we will frame it right, then guess what? It doesn't matter what song we're singing if we realize who we're singing about. If we forget about the tune, tone, and everything else, and we get a hold of Him, and we begin to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We can shout even when it is an old hymn that doesn't have a thing to do. It seems like it'd be 500 miles away from shouting. Sometimes we just need to get a hold of the one that we're singing about. Somebody say amen. And it doesn't matter, yeah, maybe you're not into breakdancing, but guess what? Here's the thing. In all three of these, the same thing's on the inside. It's Coke. And it doesn't matter if we sing hymns, or it doesn't matter if we've got canned music, or it doesn't matter if we breakdance, if the Holy Spirit's inside, it ought to all be all right. Amen. We may have preferences, and yes, we may have things that I'd rather it be this way or that, but ultimately, who are we celebrating? We're celebrating Christ in our worship. Somebody say amen. It deserves a hand clap. <laughs> what time is it? 20 till. See, there we go. 20 till. we still got lots of time. T. Testifying through our actions. There is a day and a time coming. And I'm as serious as I can be. If this Bible is true, and I believe very much so that it is, it's not going to matter at all. We're going to be lucky if we get to worship. There's a day and a time coming when what's going to matter is what we do and how we do it, and ultimately it comes down to this. 
we need to tie our belief and our behavior together. All the time. Everything we do, every aspect of our lives ought to be influenced by what we believe. That ultimately we should, it should come down to the fact that I'd rather, the old saying, I'd rather hear a sermon than, uh, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day, ought to apply all the time. You've heard me quote this often, and there's two or three different versions of who, who said it first or whatever. But it's preach the gospel always using words only when necessary. Our lives ought to be a sermon. Our belief ought to be a sermon. Our faith and how we react to things ought to be a sermon for every person that we encounter. Not that we say one thing and act another way. And you've heard me talk about this. There were, there were, when I worked in plant work, I would, I would take every opportunity to, uh, to talk to people about the Lord. But my, my version of evangelism is relationship evangelism. And I worked with some people who were all about in your face, turn or burn, you worm kind of evangelism. And I mean, they would get up there and start quoting scriptures. And, and this one guy in particular, that I, and I, I liked him and, and I tried to, tried to convince him otherwise, but he had this survey and he would go and get in the Walmart parking lot and he would say, excuse me, sir, could I, could I ask you a few questions? And he had about two very innocuous questions and, and then it would lead into, hey, if you knew you were going to leave here today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you wouldn't burn in hell? Now, what does that do for people? Shuts them down, for the most part. And I'll never forget this. I'm talking to a guy. I'm over there working on his machine, and he's the operator on that machine, and I'm taking the advantage to, to just kind of lead into this area where I can talk to him about the Lord. So I've already got past the chit-chat part, and you've heard me talk about it. You get somebody talking about what they're interested in, I gave him a chance to talk, and we're down to the nitty-gritty. All that's important. But I guess probably the most important thing that we could know in life is to know that if it was our time to leave here, that we would go to heaven to be with the Lord. And I'm right at that point. And he looks down the aisleway, and here comes the guy with the survey. And he said, oh, goodness gracious. He said, i got to go. Here comes Mikey. And all he's going to want to do is talk about the Lord. I'm like, really? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think I'm doing? I guess I'm one of these, as I heard a guy put it one time, he said, you know, he said, I think uh, whenever Jesus found me, he snuck up on me and hugged me in the dark. Because he said, I probably wouldn't have went for it any other way. And, you know, it's, there's different presentations, there's different ways of doing it, there's different methods. But ultimately, what we do, how we live our lives, how we face triumph and tragedy ought to affect the people around us. Because it's awfully easy to, whoa, when we're triumphal, we ought to build you. Woo, 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 boy, the Lord answered my prayers. And then something bad happens. And if we just crumble like a ton of bricks, what's that saying? There was a guy one time in, in, that I worked with. And there, he, he actually came to me. And I've had so many times whenever the Lord would send somebody my way to, to try to help them in the faith. And he said, I've just got a question for you. 
And he said, how do you do it? And I said, do what? And he said, it doesn't matter if the boss comes down and tells us we're having a pizza party or he comes down and chews out our behinds. He said, you always react the same way. It wasn't a conscious thought that I did that, but I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, he said he came down the other night and told us that one of the vendors had bought us pizza and we were having a pizza party. And he said, you turned, walked away, went to whistling. And he said, then he came down here about a week later and he chewed us out up one side and down the other. And he said, you turned and walked away. He said, I just got to know how you do it. And I'll be honest with you. There have been times in my life when I have struggled with the down and outers. But I, I prayed a long time ago and I said, Lord, I need you to lift me up and level me out. Because I felt like, I, when I first came into this, first started believing in the Lord, I, I felt like I rode a roller coaster all the time. I was either on top of the world or under it. I was either just, woo, this is great, or, oh, boy, is God even real? That kind of stuff. And I said, Lord, that's no way to live. I, I, I don't want to live in those extremes. I said, Lord, would you move me up and just level me out? Yeah, the, the good time, the highs may not be as high, but Lord, I want to be able to sustain this. I don't want this to be a fad in my life. I don't want this to be something that I walk this walk for a while and then give up on it. I want this to be something that I am in it for the long haul. I want to be that one that crosses that finish line. Yes, I, I might cross it with my hands in the air celebrating or I might be crawling. But either way, I want to be able to finish that finish, cross that finish line and hear those words, well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord somebody say amen and the way that we're going to preach the loudest sermon we will ever preach is if people can see us deal with not only triumph because it's pretty easy to do that but if we can deal with the tragedies and come out on the other side of it and even like Job said though God slay me yet will I trust him Sometimes it may get battered. Sometimes our faith may get worn. Sometimes it may, it may come out a little haggard on the other side of one of those tragedies. But ultimately that we come out with our faith. And that's going to speak louder than anything we can say.